Unfiltered Free Range American Podcast, presented by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Well, shit, welcome to Free Range American. JT and I have a special guest for everybody. Um, Dakota Meyer here today. Yeah, yeah, wow. What's it like being a Marine? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I, sorry, Leroy. I just, I, I don't, uh, I only see Medal of Honor recipients. I don't distinguish between color. I'm so woke. <laughs> I'm so woke. You know what I mean? I, I am a little more fair-skinned. <laughs> I don't, I, I only see the medal. I don't yeah. see who's behind it. No, I, I don't even see gender. I just see the metal, you know? <laughs> I'm so woke. That's that's me. Oh, so. man. Well, we were going to start this morning. We're starting a new... Evan and I are starting a new series. You know, it's our morning debriefs because generally about three days a week, we talk between eight and nine o'clock and it's a lot of yelling, not at each other, but about <laughs> the world. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like, what the fuck is going on now? <laughs> and then you happen to pop in, and now we have now we have a great guest. I know. Now we have at least you guest. guys only yell about it, and you don't tear apart your own community. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, that's bad. <laughs> so bad. Wait, hey, Leroy, where where we, I already know where you're from, but tell everybody where where you live. Uh, live about an hour south of Seattle, Lakewood. Uh, Stillicum. <laughs> Not not to was, be confused with Tillicum. I was I was waiting for you to go. Oh my God, no! <laughs> Who lives in Lakewood? <laughs> I used to watch cops, and yeah. it used to be Pierce County sheriffs all the time. And I was like, "Where's yeah. Pierce County?" And then now I live there, and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> that's oh. where it's at." Now I get it. <laughs> yeah. I've had several friends that were that were uh, police officers out there, and man, they. I mean, back in the day, I would imagine they get a lot of experience. Yeah, they experience. They, yeah, they get salty <laughs> real quick over there. <laughs> still, um, still so you retired as a master sergeant, first class master sergeant, master sergeant, master sergeant. What year did you retire? 2014. All right, and then you've been, but you've done a number of things still for the U.S. Army outside once you retired and things like that. Anything I've, what I've been doing since then is uh, continuing to support veterans, military, and their families as much as I can in all different aspects. Well, that's great. We need those people. Yeah, you're, you're one of the guys, you're, you're always out doing something. In all honesty, I have no idea what, what all you got going on um, because, you, you know, I, you pop in wherever. I mean, when was the last time I saw you? Like six months ago, we saw you in San Antonio, give or take. This is right when COVID, was it right when COVID was starting to pop? Is that when we, was that when yeah, we saw you? Yeah, it was, it was about February or so. Remember, you just popped into the office one day, kind of like today. I was, I was actually on a road trip and uh, it started popping up in all the states I was going to. And I told my wife, I think I'm patient zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we... Well, and, and I was, the, the funny thing is you left and what we wanted you to do is go out to the ranch and hang out with us for three days, non-work related whatsoever. We just, we just wanted to hang out. Leroy was like, no, fuck you guys. I have real work to do. I got to <laughs> <laughs> And you had a long drive too. Yeah, it was, uh, it was no fun, but uh, it, it was, uh, I did, I did take Matt's shirt and 
messed around on his desk for a while while he wasn't there. Yeah, that's good. Like and, you do. And I got to tour the the facility you guys were in, which was awesome. I tell all my friends about it. I was like, man, it's so laid back. It is. I mean, it's exactly what you would think of those guys. That it's not all flashy and shiny and. Look at me. It's it's pretty cool. It looks like a deployed location. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've still got home-built desks. <laughs> you, guys, you guys need to get some CBs, though. I know. I You know, even here in Salt Lake, the, the, the facility here in Salt Lake is a little bit nicer. Um, but I still have to explain to people, even my gym out back, it, it looks straight up like a gym that you would walk into at a fob. Like it looks full on. This place is so fobby. It's, it's fucking ridiculous, man. Like when guys walk around here, they're like, dude, this is like a fob. Cause I got shipping containers everywhere. That's awesome. I've got pallets, this fucking deployment looking gym area. And I'm like, I didn't intentionally set out to build it like that. I think it's just a level of comfort being able to, you know, walk around out here at lunch with like ranger panties and like row and fucking do box jumps or whatever, and then go back to work. It, it just feels right. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> a, I'm not in reverse cycle. I'm just, I'm just like, <laughs> it's it funny because right. you have guys that get out of the military and, and dust themselves off and put on a suit for the first time in a while and come interview for the company. And then they show up to the first day of work. They're like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm at a fob again. <laughs> the only question I got is, are your clocks on Zulu time? <laughs> no, I, I've thought about it, but I thought, I thought that might, you know, that and the fact that I have everybody put a, a photo of me above their door. I thought that might be a little bit weird, but you know, it's just... It's just there. Awesome. Him with an American flag and a coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should, I think we should, I think we should institute that. I think we need to take that picture of you with the flag, the official Evan photo, and then it has to hang in everyone's office. I, I thought about that, but not everybody would understand that's a joke. They wouldn't. Well, what if we had it painted? Then it's fine. They would really think that it was like I was trying to be a dictator they wouldn't get it they wouldn't get it they'd be like oh man this dude really thinks he's some kind of or we get a giant bronze statue of you feeding the people out of a chemex that sits in front of the office (laughs) (laughs) i i do uh it is funny though my wife and i were driving around park city just like we're we went up there for lunch giggling yeah we're driving the entire time not the entire time, but we were, we thought it was pretty funny. And I was like, I was thinking about this because obviously there's a ton of wealth in Park City. There's a lot of really fucking rich people. And I was like, do rich people just lose their fucking minds once they get so much wealth that they're like, let's make a bronze statue of, you know, a Native American and a fucking eagle riding a bison. I'm like, okay, none of those things actually happened in history. It's not as if Native Americans had uh, eagles as like, they were practicing falconry here. They didn't fucking, they didn't do that. It's historically inaccurate. So it's like some whacked out over wino'd like rich ladies like, fuck it, let's just buy this giant bronze of a Native American holding an eagle you know, on his shoulder, like a, like a, like a pirate parrot or something. It's like, 
that fucking thing didn't, it didn't happen. And as you're driving around, you see this, this is everywhere. Like rich people just decide they're like, you know what? Fuck it. I got an extra 50,000. I'm just going to make this giant bronze statue of something because I need it. I'm like, you need another bronze <laughs> statue in your house. Like Kennedy needs another sunroof. I, uh, I heard a really good Eagle story the other day, Evan. And, uh, so my buddy, my buddy is from Alaska. He grew up, his name's, his name's Jimbo Sprader. He's, he's a tack P and, uh, he had like a, he had a crazy uncle, you know, that, that worked for (laughs) the, like Corey, like, uh, whatever whatever you would call that industry, like rock quarries. And he was, he was a demo guy that did the demolition for quarries. Well, the, the dump in the town that he was in had a contract for someone to get rid of, to scare the bald eagles off the trash while they're trying to bulldoze and kind of operate in the landfill. And this dude is like, I'll do that. So he lines up a bunch of deck cord and has it all set up. And they're all the guys are in their bulldozers for the day. They're like, all right, get rid of the Eagles. And he hits it, <laughs> takes out like 25 Eagles, <laughs> like thinking that he's just blowing it up to scare him away. But the trash turns into shrapnel and just wipes oh. out about 25 bald Eagles. And then he just looks at him and is like, I don't have a job anymore. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a master breacher. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've got something that'll scare these eagles away. (laughs) Whoops. You're going to scare them and shred. (laughs) Shred them. There's 25 counts of a felony. No shit. (laughs) We had a a jump one time and a C-130 was coming in to pick us up. And as they were making the approach to come land and pick us up to go jump, they hit a bald eagle and I never knew, realized really how thin this skin on an aircraft was. This bald eagle went through the cockpit and what? hit one of the pilots in the shoulder and they had a picture of this thing. I mean, I realized how big an eagle actually is when I saw it sitting, that picture of it sitting in the cockpit. I mean, it was huge. I mean, we were all excited because it kinked the jump, but uh, <laughs> it I was always, I was always, a, I was a comms guy, so I was DZ comms, DZC, right? and so I would fucking, I'd always be like, I oh, can't get the birds, man. Time to go shoot. I was like, this, <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the range. This fucking jumping shit, man. I was like, we're, we're gonna fucking hurt ourselves jumping, and we won't be able to go to combat. This is fucking stupid. You know how stupid this is, like. I'm going to hurt myself out here on Rayford or wherever the fuck we were. And I'm going to break a leg and we're not going to be able to go to combat. You guys, you guys know how fucking stupid that is. You know, never, no commander could ever explain to me. Cause I was like, and maybe we could talk about this because I'll, I'll go on a rant for a second and then you can react about it. You're a senior NCO in an airborne unit. You get it. But no fucking commander could ever explain to me. I was like the proficiency in airborne operations, right? And for me, I was like, I we don't need to jump every fucking month, man. Like, you know, when you're when you're ripped, when you're when you're downrange for fucking six months, you come back and you got to get current. How long does that shit take us? Yeah, fucking I minute. Mean, but it's it's not even a skill that you need proficiency. You don't. You're, you're in. a bag of trash. Which, 
Once you they teach you what to do, it's like, hey, we'll refresh you if we need it, but we don't need you to know how to just fall. It's like riding a bike. Right. Well, and one of the commanders is like, well, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it's about maintaining the proficiency of the unit and the integrity and the tradition. It's stuff. something that we don't yeah, use. Yeah, but bro, you're, you're, you're injuring, you know, we'll, we'll call it, we'll, we'll call it 3% of your force yeah. on a regular. And some of these guys are the guys that we, we fucking absolutely need. Like, it's not as if you got, get to walk through your jump and go, you're a bag of shit. I want you to get hurt on this one. <laughs> like, I really want you to get fucked up. You can't do that. It's like, dude, some of your best dudes are getting fucked up on jumps. And you're like, man, I need that guy in real shit. Not in, not in fucking, you know, fictional shit. Like, I need that guy. And nobody could ever explain it to me. Because I, I, I was like, hey, I, I don't disagree with having current jump masters. I do not disagree with that whatsoever. Like, we have to maintain proficiency of the unit. With with jump masters, and then you got to jump like fucking once a year with everybody else. You got to jump them like fucking once a year. Who gives a shit, right? It doesn't matter. And then it's like because really the proficiency of the jumping is not that big of a deal. It's getting your shit together when you hit the fucking ground post jump activities, right? I mean, I mean that's the way the shoots are designed. Is you don't have any control of them really. They tell you you can steer them, but. <laughs> Minimally and yeah, minimally, the only proficiency you should do is when you're pay hurt. Right. You shouldn't you gotta, be you gotta get another jump. You shouldn't be paid. Exactly. You shouldn't do that. Once you're airborne qualified, just leave it. Is it really, is it really that much? Well, it, 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 it reminds me of one of our jumps that we did. And it was uh, right before our deployment, we we're going to go do this jump, then go on block leave. And we were jumping the airfield and everybody kept saying what a bad idea it was. Cause we could get guys hurt before deployment. Yeah. And I remember the battalion sergeant major coming out and addressing the battalion and basically saying, if you get hurt, it's your own damn fault because you don't know follow the proper PLFs and stuff like that. And guess who the only person that got hurt was? That's who so broke their ankle. He did. The command sergeant major. Are you fucking kidding me? It was so ironic. <laughs> right before the deployment. <laughs> it couldn't happen to a, to, to a better person. And, and, the, and the other side of it too is... When's the last time we actually jumped into combat? Probably Panama. Well, um, yeah, not real combat. Third bat. Yeah, that yeah. was that was. Uh, Kandahar wasn't really a com. They called it a mustard stain, but I wouldn't tell anybody. Yeah, one seventy third too. They did one. Yeah, they did uh, one up in um uh, Iraq. There were SF guys uh, like literally building the DZ for those dudes. Yeah, same thing with Charlie Company two seven five out in Afghanistan. They did a show of force. Right. I was like, I would be afraid to put that mustard stain on my uniform because I couldn't justify it. <laughs> when you're standing next to a guy from Normandy. It, Leroy, because the other one around your neck might pull the eye away yeah. from your... <laughs> I, I actually... I, that would be a good point, though. When they're trying to look at your, your MOH, I would point them. I, I would like just redirect them over here, like, eyes over here on that mustard stain, motherfucker. <laughs> I never got a mustard stain, so I can't say. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, if you did, that would divert be them. Good. Like divert their eyes. This is the real prize, you, right? You here. Know, something that I learned though. There's this our one of our, he actually I think he's our oldest guy right now. Uh, World War II carried the flamethrower in Iwo Jima, and I walked up to him one day because I noticed his metal was really shiny, and I said, "Did you get yours gold plated or something?" Because a lot of the other guys are kind of tarnishing looking and he looks at me and he goes no 
He goes, little thing they taught me in the Marine Corps back in the day called Brasso. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to go clean my stuff up. <laughs> but some people like that tarnished look. And I just really, really made me realize like how we were with our uniforms where everything had to be stayed bright and polished. And uh, yeah, it, it, it does definitely catch the eye a little bit more. Oh yeah. yeah, Brett, like uh, I was keeper of the wings in jump school. So they handed me a pair of pewter wings and said they needed to be shiny by the time we graduated. But you know how you find those? I was going to say, one of the things I didn't realize, one of my friends, because I got a lot of law enforcement friends in the area, they came up to me and uh, one of my, my retirement and they were in their dress uniform and I'm looking at him because he's a cop and kind of like the way people look at us in the military with our awards and they're like, oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? That's how I felt because I didn't know what any of his awards were. And he had a life-saving badge, like 13 awards. And I was like, man, I did this once and you do this every day. <laughs> but it, it really were gave you, me an appreciation for him. Were you in 275 the entire, your entire career? I was. How many years is that? 15. Jeez, man. It was nice for the family. We didn't have to move, but uh, right. I was never home even when I was stationed in one spot. That's, that's a long time to be in regiment. You guys that are in like Ranger Regiment for that long, I always have a different amount of respect for you because in like your lives were different, right? It was like, you know, a lot of E5s, E6s, they pop over and go to SF and then, you know, or they take a long walk or whatever, and their 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 lives change drastically. Versus regiment, I think is it's a it's a different level of of uh, NCO over there. Especially your senior NCOs in regiment are fucking phenomenal. How many? Yeah, how many deployments is that? Eight, eight deployments. Which which I mean, a, a few years ago, I ran into. I don't know if you guys know Jason Condi. He was uh, he was at two seven five. Um, I ran into him in Afghanistan a couple of, about probably three or four years ago. And I hadn't seen him in a while. And I said, what's new? He got wife, kids, girlfriend. He goes, Leroy, I'm on trip number 23. He goes, if they want me to be here next year, I'll be back in Afghanistan. And I'm like, holy cow. And it really, I look at that and I say, wow, eight sounds like a lot. But if I had stayed on par, I might be there with those guys at 23 or more. And so it, it's, it's. Really, people ask me, how do you keep doing it? They said, because we got to see the good side that they don't show you on the media. The right. difference that we were making. You know, we don't want to show you the bad stuff, but we got to see the good stuff. And we got to be surrounded by good people. Right. It, uh, it's tough to look at my deployments as I don't think of them as a whole lot compared to others. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, I, I talk to guys too that you know, how old are you? 41. Yeah, so you and I are about the same age. And I talk to my buddies that are still in, and they're all like, you know, sergeant majors and, and colonels and lieutenant colonels. And um, it, it's, it's interesting because, man, a lot of these dudes are so fucking burnt. And you can tell they're, they're fried. Like, they're fucking fried. Like, I was a, I was a cooked potato in, in 14. Like I, I, there was just no way for me psychologically, obviously I could have kept doing it cause you just kind of get numb to the whole fucking thing and just keep rotating in and out. But 
man, I, I, I look at these guys with, well, one, with a, a ton of fucking respect. And two, I'm like, man, what are you going to do? Right? Like my buddy just sent me a photo of his kid and he's been going to Afghanistan. This was his last trip to Afghanistan. So he's been going to Afghanistan since 2003. Every year he's been in Afghanistan since 2003. And he had a couple of rotations or, you know, time like years off where he was in Iraq instead of Afghanistan. <laughs> years <laughs> off. But fuck man, like the shooting match is over for him, right? In Afghanistan. And I was like, the guy's a little bit older than I am, you know, former SF guy doing other shit now. But he's 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 a little bit emotional about leaving the fucking place. And I get it. Because I'm like, man, if, if you didn't have that piece of your identity, and I mean a lot of guys don't, right? I mean, obviously, you know, guys get out, they retire, they move on. But you know, Afghanistan or Iraq, both, you know, when the fucking shooting's over, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, like garrison, garrison life fucking, that sucks. Like, it's just shit. It's just a shit. Like, a peacetime military is a shitty military to be in. It really is. I don't know if you guys think about this. That, that oh, yeah. I mean, what are you, what are you doing? You, you're doing more jumping. You're doing JRTC oh. and NTC, like, every year. Like, come on. And for a guy that's been there, it, it changes. But for the younger guys, they don't know any different kind of yeah. like when you came in. And, and I think that's why a lot of the guys stay in is that they look and who's going to take care of the young guys, who's going to teach them the right way to do things. And uh, I look at them the same way. I'm like, man, it's a, the military is a young man's game. Yeah. You see some of these guys that are still able to hang with them into their 40s, 50s. I'm just like blown away that, that it's, it's awesome. Dude, my buddy's 40 years old. He's a, he's a star major. He just went to ranger school. He was like, oh, if I'm going to take over, a, you know, if I'm going to take over a, as, you know, troops are major, I got to make sure that I got the fucking tab. I'm like, oh man, 40, dude. I'm rolling out of bed right these days feeling pretty fucking old. I don't know if I would want to be like not sleeping every fucking night, not eating and like just getting this shit kicked out of you every fucking day at 40. Dude, that, that's a hard man. And, and nothing against him, but, and I can't confirm this, but I've heard it's gotten soft. Like they actually oh, got the mermites out in the field. Oh, nice. In Ranger School. Hey. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but now it, 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 it's changing. It is. I, I agree with that to a certain I, I do. Like I didn't go to Ranger School, but I went to obviously the, uh, a few other difficult schools where I Cedar? get. Yeah, oh, yeah, I went to. Thank you, Chris. I went to like three of them, which was super fun for me because it was like the only really fucking schools that I got to go to. It was like, I went to like the, you know, baseline peacetime. I went to the second tier. Then I went to the third one where it's like camp slappy on fucking steroids. It's, it's super fun. Man, I'm jealous because I wanted to go to Sears school since I was a, a E3. And they won't let you go now for recruiting. I don't know. Just ask them. Just ask. Just be like, I hey. Hey, I want to go to your school. So two, yeah. two weeks before I, I got injured, they they came up to me and they're like, hey, Petrie, you got a Sears slot in, Sears slot in August. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to Sears school. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. 
I think they. I think they'd let you go. Yeah, I think you could. You maintain a clearance, didn't you? No, I got a my clearance. Redo it. Yeah, I'd have yeah. to redo it. Yeah, you got you got a clearance. This comes with your package. Just be like, yeah, yeah. Just slide it across. Just show up. Just show yeah. up. Who the Here's fuck is my name? So you know, You'd be like, <laughs> I'm here to sign into the course. Like, is there somebody going to be like, no, you can't come in. There, there was a point when the boys were deploying. I was over at the unit and uh, I was thinking about hog tying a private, putting him in his wall locker and just running with my hat down and getting on the bird and saying, Roger, Sergeant, coming. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Oh, I miss it. That would be so good. I, I, I do agree with uh, some of the changes. Like I, I do agree with it because for instance, right. When I went through like, you know, phase one, phase two or whatever it was, you, you, you couldn't eat, but you could have all the Copenhagen you wanted, right? Like talk about fucking making lifelong addicts. (laughs) (laughs) They were actually being funded by big tobacco. I seriously, man, that's where my, that's where your fucking chewing addiction, at least for me, like that's where it just ramped because you know, a couple of years of that. And then it becomes culturally adapted into that circumstance. And I know you saw it in, in regiment because everybody fucking, I mean, about 50%. My very first few days in regiment, we got uh, called out on an Idri and we're out training and I got assessed as a casualty out in the field. And I'm laying there in the Skedco and the first sergeant comes over to me and he looks down at me and he goes, Petrie, you got any Copenhagen on you? Negative first sergeant, and he kicks me in the skid coat. And he goes, what good are you then? And he walks off, and I was like, damn, got to keep the Copenhagen in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of want to, let's, uh, I kind of want to think about what you just said, the psychology of if, if we had to do ranger school right now, I think psychologically easily more prepared because I think uh, I've definitely been awake for weeks at a time now. I know I could, but our body is going to break down a lot faster. Those rucks are going to hurt a lot more. But what do you think? What do you think if you had to go right now? I mean, if I had to do anything, I'm fairly certain I could, I could do it. Right. If I had to climb, you know, Mount Everest, I could probably do it. I'm just saying like, would I want to? No, I, I wouldn't. And I think it's more, yeah, especially because with, with combat experience and I don't know, I, and then kind of asymmetric guerrilla warfare experience. So, you know, getting a kind of a more conventional look and then an unconventional look and then more of an agency look. Um, I understand the whole concept of it as a leadership school. I really do. Now, whether or not I'm, I'm not going to learn any fucking new tricks as far as like small unit tactics, right? So tactical proficiency uh, is one thing if it's a leadership school, I'm like, well, you know, we have a company of 400 people. I, I can practice fucking leadership principles at any point in time. And if I want to keep myself awake and do that for weeks on end, I can do it. In my own. <laughs> you you already do. Nothing's preventing me from doing that right now. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it would be a, it would be a waste of time for me. I think what I would benefit from is a, uh, ranger school type activity for executives. I think that would fucking really, really benefit executive teams, especially executives that have never done anything difficult. 
Um, I think about that a lot. Like I think about the complexities of a shoot house all the time where, and and these are the kind of things I love and I used to love to think about and try to implement was, you know, ranger school, but it's CQB's type of circumstance, right? Where I would just be running guys through fucking, you know, iteration after iteration, iteration iteration and only giving them a couple hours of fucking sleep, you know, putting them right right back into the fucking grinder, like night after night after night after night after night after night. You know, they're wearing a fucking pro mask. They're not fucking sleeping. They've got, you know, music that they can't fucking hear. Their ears are ringing. They're fucking exhausted. They're, they're living in their fucking BDUs because they just, you know, they can't do anything else. And I really like that because you can break people down and you can see how they react uh, in on a target, especially a complex and confusing target where people are fucking, you know, when it's a two-way shooting range. I I like that concept where I think that would directly benefit a lot of I, I think there I think there should be more emphasis on that type of sleep deprivation with CQB iterative uh, overlays. And, and, and I'm not saying the small unit tactics is inappropriate. I'm just saying I think there are ways that we can really kind of pull out a lot of what we do in the urban environment and find, you know, your your weaker links in that type of environment and really kind of build better TTPs. I don't know. I think uh, I went as a PFC and I loved it. It was a break from regiment. It was it was easier than regiment. I was getting scuffed up all the time. So I was like, yes, there's no rank here. Everybody's <laughs> the same. This is awesome. But uh, it, it is. It's The difficult part is when everybody's sucking and everybody's exhausted, how do you motivate that person to still do what they need to do? Even though they already had their patrol and they may have gotten their go and they're like, I could shit bag now because I got right. my go. But it, it is that uh, question of how do you motivate people and how do you make those tough decisions when you're everybody's sucking. Yeah. And it, it is, uh, there's, there's a lot of, I, I agree. Corporate America executives would benefit greatly. And especially how many you'd see that would, I quit. I don't have to do this. I don't want to do this. Uh, driving behind, uh, North Fort Lewis in the rain. I mean, it's pouring down rain. And I look over at the ranges, guys out there shooting I looking out my window of my car as I'm driving by going, man, that sucks. I don't want to do that again. But then I remember that I did it. Right. And I was in those shoes. And so going back to range school, I wouldn't want to do it again. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> like, this sucks. I don't want to do it. <laughs> like you said, if you've got the principal learnings, you're wasting time. Yeah. It's, it's a couple Continue months. To grow. Life. Yeah. It's a couple months of your life where you're like, I, I, I can't. You, know, you might pull out a couple little nuggets out of there, but you'll spend two fucking months trying to pull a couple little nuggets out of something. You're like, man, I don't know how many fucking two months more time frames I'll have on this planet. And for me, you know, I do. I, I mean, I, I really think that it's important for, especially you know, men and women both. I think they have to go through a time in their life where everybody is sucking together. And they have to fucking, you know, galvanize themselves around something greater than them where it's not just about me because in the United States, everything is about the individual and how fucking great am I? Blah, 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 right? It's like, I really believe in that 
especially younger, you know, now that we're old, I guess, it's so important for kids just to be like, get the fuck out of what you're doing in your zone. Yeah. And push yourself. And honestly, senior NCOs are really fucking good or NCOs are good at getting the most out of fucking 18 year old kids. They're really fucking good at it. They're going to push you past what you're psychologically and physically comfortable with. And and that's where they build the resiliency. Right. You, you can't teach somebody out of a book resilience. You got to knock them off the horse and not only say, Hey, you're going to get back up on the horse, but I'm going to be there to help you get back up on that horse. Cause that's what leaders do. And it, it is a lot of our younger generation. Now they get caught up in their comfort zones and I don't feel comfortable doing this. And I don't want to do that because it might be hard. And it's, it's those things that they're starting to lose resilience. And I talk to young kids at schools all the time and I tell them where we went wrong in this country is when we took bullying and blew it out of proportion. I said, I got bullied as a kid. I got teased. I said, sometimes I got in fights, but I never took a gun or a knife to school. And I said, if you don't learn how to shake some of that stuff off, unless it's physically harming you, I said, you got to start building resiliency at a young age because life is hard. And if you don't do that, you're not going to survive. Well, that's where I think you also have that division too, is this generation when they get knocked off that horse, rather than looking to the leader and going on the path to learn how to deal with it. They want to, they want to make excuses, tattle, you know, be removed from the situation rather than learn from it. So that's, that's exactly what you're saying with the bullying thing. It's like the same thing. It's like, we all, we all grew up in a different time frame, and that stuff made us mentally tough. <laughs> my, my, my brother, he's one of those kids that likes to say, well, where's my free stuff? How come this is happening? How come all the bad stuff's happening to me? And I told him, you're in control of your own destiny. It's, it, there's a whole psychological thing called the locus of control. And I said, you create your own happiness, but you create your own misery. It's the choices that you make. Don't wait for somebody else to do it for you. You could go do it yourself. Well, it's interesting because I think that, you know, obviously with kids, I see what's going on in the United States right now. And I see so many people that have their hands out and they say things as if it's everyone else's fault, right? So, you know, I think these upper middle class fucking parents have ruined an entire generation with their participate in trophiness, yes, fairness. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, you gotta teach your kids how to compete and lose. You know, get some thick skin. I, I tell that to my kids. My kids are three and six. I'm like, if you don't like something that your sister says, they're both little girls, tell her that you don't like it. Tell her that you don't like it. There's like, no conflict resolution now. If every if every time you get in a conflict, it's you run to get somebody canceled or fired or or punished or anything like that. You, there's, is no conflict resolution. I mean, but that's the lie these parents have been telling their, this is the lie that parents, teachers and professors have been telling kids for fucking decades. And this is the lie that NCOs and good NCOs from the special operations community never fucking told us. Don't put up right? with. Which would shut your fucking mouth and go to work. You want to complain? I got something for you. It's going to be, it's going to come in the form of that hill and you're going to run up and down that fucking thing with somebody on your back until I get fucking tired. So let me hear it more. Let me hear you fucking complaining and complaining more. 
this whole thing with these fucking people that go and they go to universities and they get these fucking social science degrees that, oh, by the way, they're not science. It's not a fucking science. It's a pseudo half-wit philosophy. It's it's half-baked bullshit. And it's not our fault that somebody went and got $100,000 worth of student debt to go fucking do gender studies and they can't get a fucking job. Like, fuck off. You should have been an engineer. Leave me alone. Stop trying to fucking get me to pay for your bullshit. We don't need more degrees in crap that people can't use. And if you want to go get a bullshit degree where you won't be able to get a job other than serving tables, because that's what you're going to be, is a fucking waitress or a waiter. And serve it up hot and fucking hot and spicy, man. Like, I don't... (laughs) Don't make it my fucking fault that you spent a hundred thousand dollars pursuing, you know, uh, Middle Eastern basket weaving fucking techniques in, you know, in in, in sub in, in, in the in the sub European fucking dialect or whatever the fuck it is. If you want to do that bullshit, that's totally fine with me. But don't expect all of us to pay for it. Like I, I'm more than happy to go. Hey, we need more engineers. We need more welders. We need more you know, trade schools. Any trade schools. school doctors, nurses. People. Yeah, dude. Bridge builders. Road construction. Like, we should incentivize the fucking smartest people to go off and get those types of degrees in real science that directly benefit humanity, not in fucking pseudoscience. Like I do have another theory on this, which I'll, I'll let you talk in like two seconds. Okay, I got fucking on a rant, which is these are the dum-dums that were too fucking dumb to get into real science degrees. So then they went and pursued a bunch of fucking garbage where they can bullshit. Uh, they can throw out a bunch of, you know, ill-prepared, ill-regarded, half-baked theory crap. And people have to listen to them because it's like, I have a PhD. And it's like, yeah, but it's in, you know, uh, it, it's in a, a uh, Venetian uh, paper making. Like, fuck off. Like, leave me alone. We don't need to fuck. We don't need more Venetian paper making PhDs, dude. Leave it. Leave it. They, anyway. They could probably get more out of going to McDonald's Hamburger University. Seriously. <laughs> but yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh, it, it is my son when he was five years old. Um, I took him to go register for school in Washington State and public school. And it, uh, they told me, Do you want him to go half day or full day? And I said, Full day, of course, because kids get naps and snack times. And what's he going to learn in two and a half hours? And they said, Well, half day is free. If you want him to go full day, it's $300 a month. And I was like, For public school? for the developmental years of a young kid. And I said, where the hell is our state lottery money going to? Why are they giving scholarships to these high school graduates that could go get a job and pay for their education when we should be investing in the developmental years of our young kids? And it, it just made me realize how backwards things are, like you're saying, is why should we pay your debt when you're able to go work? It's not my fault you choose to pick a stupid degree. It's like saying... Well, I went to the casino and I bet on black instead of red. Can you help me cover my uh, loss? Well, it goes, it, I think it goes even deeper. You've got, you know, I've seen in the last three years, I've seen districts getting rid of of certain grades, getting rid of different things that like, like 
What it is, is we've lot, we, we have completely ignored the ability to rank people anymore that says, hey, you were better than this, than these people. And guess what? That's real life. There are people out there that are better at I, different things. Dude, I say it all the than, time. I say it all the time. I'm like, I would have loved to have been a theoretical physicist. Yeah. But, but then what happens is, is you go into this degree program. That's literally just to write a fucking giant bullshit paper on some more bullshit. And when you leave that, you've never been held accountable for real work. So you go to work at a real job and they look at you after you've put in fucking a month's worth of work on a project. And they go, what the fuck is this? Like, what did you, what did you do? But that's, but it's the entire institution, right? It's the entire education institution. And I'll put them like literally at, at the epicenter of this is that you have a system that has been lying to generations of kids, telling them that with a four-year degree, any four-year degree, they're just, they're just batching them all. They're saying any four-year degree, you're going to make more money. You're going to be more successful. You're going to, you know, have a better life. It's it's a bullshit narrative. And then when you go, you have to take your prerequisites, obviously. So you're there for fucking two years, just knocking down, you know, a bunch of courses. And all in reality, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's a racket between the university systems because what they've said is, listen, we have to increase our classes so we can, and then increase the pool of people that we can put into the universities. And if we do that, and then if we have low interest money where they can continue to go into debt, we're going to continue to fund the expansion of our universities and ultimately continue to fund our little fiefdoms over here. So it's a, it's a group of other lazy, incompetent, stupid people that can pontificate about really complex things that want to protect their high-paying, uh, low-IQ position. Because really, when I, when I really look at this, the high-IQ, high-drive, high-IQ people, we, those are all around, you know, high-drive, high-IQ people. They're, they're not isolated into ac- academia. We all know that, right? And if we had high-drive, high-IQ people that were completely motivated and attracted to just academics, we wouldn't have 30%. Literally, this is, a, this, is a, this is a fact. 30% of our college professors right now identify with and or believe that socialism is a viable political system. 30%. It's between 25 and 30%. Less than 5% think that... Uh, conservative or identify as conservatives within the university system. So you can't tell me that that we've isolated the most uh, intellectually inclined into our university system. No, we've put the idiots in there. My point is that because because you've expanded your curriculum to include a bunch of crap that isn't real science. It's not real science. It isn't real life. Anything. It's Oh my gosh, you know, we, we're going to have to expand, you know, our, our pseudoscience to include, you know, whatever propaganda that we need. And ultimately, we just don't need that many bachelor degrees that manifest themselves in nothing. 
most kids aren't ready to go to college when they graduate high school. And we, we actually, we do, we, we do them a disservice by segregating scholarships and saying, okay, these are for this group. This is for this group. And so kids, if we put all scholarships together and said, Hey, you're all in the same pool, they'd try harder. And we wouldn't have to say, Oh, China's kids are smarter than our kids. The other thing too, is that, uh, the ones that aren't ready, if you're not in that top 10% in your high school, then you're doing two years of civil service. You're going to give back to America and then you could go to college. You don't have to join the military, but you're going to give back to your country. And instead of saying that all these rights that you have actually do something to earn those rights or preserve those rights. Yes, absolutely. I don't, I, I, I wish, I really wish because I, I, I talk to people all the time. They're like, you know, there needs to be some type of service, right? There does where, you know, and, and they talk about it in the context of most of the time they're, they're referencing um, what's the sci-fi book. Uh, uh, Starship troopers. Starship <laughs> troopers where you have to earn your citizenship, right? Yes. You, you and, become a citizen. Then you have the right to vote. Like Israel. Yeah. Everyone serves in the military. And, that, and that's where I think Sweden that as well. there is, there is something to be said with this, which is, you know, you have to earn your right to vote. I think, yeah. it, if, and that's why I think this is so fucking ludicrous when we, when we have portions of the democratic party that are talking about lowering the voting age to 16. When I'm looking at this, I'm like, your brain isn't even fully developed until you're 24. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You've never had to support yourself. Why the fuck do you get a voice? You still live in your parents' home. You don't pay taxes. Like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, what crack are they smoking on on somebody else's lawn where they think that that's a fucking good idea? Like, no 16-year-old has good ideas. They don't have life experience to have a fucking good idea. Did we ever listen to a private... Were we ever like, fuck, you know what? E, nothing's <laughs> nothing here. Fuck it. Here We're you about go. to take Hadith oh, the Dam. What does go, Private buddy. Jones think about this? Hey, Private Jones, fuck it. I know this is your first rotation to Iraq. <laughs> I know this is your first hour on the deck. But I'll tell you what, man. I'm going to high five with you right here. This is your op. Fucking <laughs> lead us to fucking victory. You know what I mean? <laughs> Lead us to victory. Can you imagine what kind of a fucking dumpster fire that shit would be? You can't. You can't do that. You just got to be like, "Hey, you're carrying the Bangalore." <laughs> That's all you're good for. That's your contribution. <laughs> you're, you're carrying the Bangalore. <laughs> Feel lucky. That you're carrying Here's some extra goof, Gustav rounds too. <laughs> oh, man. don't open your fucking mouth unless it's to breathe. That's it. <laughs> Oh man, you hit the nail on the head though. You're, you're absolutely right. But we have, there's a, sadly, there's a lot of people fooled. I mean, I saw this the other day. I saw a young guy that I had on my Facebook that was a prior student, like, um, that, that was telling a story on his Facebook that when he showed up to work, that the boss in front of everybody says, if you show up late again, you don't have a job anymore. And he was asking advice on how he could get the boss fired or how he could sue for being embarrassed. It's like, uh, this is your attitude. You're never going to get hired anywhere, motherfucker. 
<laughs> yeah, you fuck up and it's someone else's fault. And that's 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 the attitude now in that generation. See, and Homer Simpson, it was on a Thursday and they told him, uh, if you don't bother, if you don't come into work tomorrow, don't 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 come into work tomorrow, don't bother coming into work on Monday. And he goes, Woohoo, four day. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, I'll tell you one good idea though is Please. They, they talk about all this fraudulent voting. Yeah. If people had to vote through biometrics, they, like they have at the airport, either fingerprints or eyeballs, then you'd have your certification right there. Two, FBI and law enforcement would have a huge database of everybody. Crime would go down. And for people that don't want to do that, well, guess what? Then you don't get a vote. You yeah, don't want to vote. <laughs> you want to be a dirtbag and not put your fingerprints because you're afraid somebody's going to yeah, guess what? Catch We're going to get quality voters out of that. Oh, yeah. You'll get the right people voting. You know, and I think that's the the, the argument from when, when I hear these arguments from the and it's really it's it's one side of the, the party or one side of our, 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 our party system. It's always, you know, you, you if you have to produce identification when you vote, that's a means of discrimination. Like. You have to present identification to fuck to your point to fly, yeah. and we're talking about deciding the future of our country. country. I don't give a fuck if you fly, but I sure as fuck give a sh- I, I I I sure as hell give a shit if Americans are voting. I really do. Like I care that you know we're pulling in actual Americans to vote. I do care about that. Yeah. I don't care who flies. Like, I want, I want to make sure you don't have any guns on you. But at the end of the day, like, do I really care who you are? If you don't have any guns, get on a fucking plane. And truly, right? It's not as if we're checking IDs when we're getting on the bus. All it is is a flying bus. Yeah. Do you have any guns? No. Okay, get on the fucking plane. Who gives a shit? Like, are you, are you escaping the United States on a non-extradition type circumstance? I don't know, nor do I care. You don't have a gun. You don't have any bombs. I don't care. Who cares? But when you're casting a vote, that's a collective mechanism that actually ha- that, that affects me and my family. Like, I don't need 16-year-olds de- deciding whether or not, you know, we want to reallocate my fucking taxable income to them. What do you think you're going to decide? <laughs> I mean, if, if it was up to them, they would drink monsters and play video games all goddamn day, right? They, they don't fucking have the capacity to make good decisions. So why are we even entertaining this idea? is beyond me where I think there's one side of the political spectrum and it doesn't matter, right? It could be either one, but they're so concerned with maintaining power that they've completely lost their fucking minds. They're sociopathic in their pursuit of power and they just don't give a shit about how this affects anyone. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, I posted this the other day when she said, she said uh, she was in it. She was in a dispute with Wolf Blitzer on CNN. Wolf Blitzer was talking about he was he was saying, "Hey, are we going to pass an economic uh, stimulus bill? Stimulus bill that will ultimately help people that have been directly affected by COVID? Because you you guys shut down the fucking country, by the way." You know, you shut down the country. And so, yes, you have a massive unemployment uh, up, uptick because you've mandated people can't go to fucking concerts. They can't go to restaurants. They can't do this. 
So you put a bunch of people out of fucking work. So are we going to pay them? Do you think that might be a good idea? And she's like, oh, well, you just don't know enough about this because, you know, I'm such a fucking smart person that has all the information because we all know that's, that is actually one place in the United States where it doesn't matter how smart you are, how uneducated or how unethical, they're always hiring. Washington, D.C. <laughs> God, that was beautiful. <laughs> and Wolf Blitzer's just saying, hey, I, I think it's a good idea that we pass this economic stimulus bill. I think you work with the president. She's like, basically, fuck off. You don't know what you're talking about. And then she's like, we feed them. This is this chick's mentality. We feed the people. We feed them. It's like, no, you dumb dumpster trash whore. You don't do anything. We, the taxpayers, decide what you do. You know what I mean? You don't do do fuck all all without our money. You don't do fuck all without our money. They they do. They they starve them when they don't do their job. Right. Good, good, good example. The government shutdown. Yeah. Yeah. My buddy uh, wasn't getting a paycheck. All those politicians that went home for the holidays and had... Christmas and whatnot with their families. There was a lot of people that didn't have the holidays because government shut down. And where does the leadership role come into? Like if in the military, Hey, you guys are staying here. You're locked down until, until you, you fix it, figure it out because lives depend on it. Well, they guess who still gets paid. The politicians, yeah. congressmen, senators. Paid. Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. They still get paid, which is, you know, they still get paid. Government employees don't get paid. They're not incentivized. We haven't properly incentivized them because we've allowed them to make rules for themselves, right? We've we've, we've created this to a certain degree. We make all the laws and then they say we don't have to abide by any of them. Yeah. And, and, And they're right. Trump is right when he talks about the two class. There's two classes, right? There's the Washington, D.C., you know, insider swamp class. And then there's the rest of us that have to live under their bullshit laws. They don't have to abide by them, right? They can go to baseball games, not wear their fucking masks. They can walk down fucking town and, you know, they can still get, get a haircut. And they can a, still go to, their go to the salon. Go to the salon. Private airlines. Like there's two different classes. And that's the thing that people should be most fucking upset about is that. It's a loss of leadership. And people used to leave their farms, go serve in Congress or the Senate and then go back to their farms. They didn't stay there an entire lifetime as a retirement. It was serving your country and going back. Yeah, but you don't report to anybody. That's the thing. And that's how they act now. They act like they have no boss. They can say whatever they want. They can act however they want. I mean, look at how, look at the behavior at the State of the Union. You had all those fucking idiots with AOC just hooting and hollering, interrupting the State of the Union. You have the Speaker of the House ripping the speech in half the second he, he, he leaves the stage. It's like these people need to be spanked hard. They need, to be, they need to fucking come to the realization they work for fucking us now. And they always have. They always have. Which, I, which is, I, I thought about running at one point and I said, nope, because I will spend my entire time on the hill kicking other people in the shins. And do your damn job. <laughs> I think that's where, I think that's where, I, and I, I, I've racked my brain trying to figure out a way that, that we collectively can, can have an impact on this. I think it's turning people on to their, 
what's happening in Washington just in general and being active. I think a lot of people just got tone deaf in the last several decades of you know our policymakers and people in, in the political establishment. They just kind of got tone deaf. I will say this about you know Trump, regardless of you know my my negative thoughts of his you know tweeting at times, he has turned a lot of people back onto politics because he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this something you have to pay attention to. And people have been like, wow, this is fucking really corrupt, or oh, that's really interesting. It does really affect us. Now, whether or not we agreed or thought it did affect us before COVID, we should all agree now, unanimously, right? The government is full of a bunch of incompetent boots. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. The last thing that we should be doing is capitulating our fucking individual liberty and rights to a group of fucking incompetent boots. It's it's beyond me to think that people are defending politicians at this point between their dumbass ideas when it comes to defunding the police or you know with with chop or chaz or whatever the fuck is going on up in Seattle right you know to the 100 plus days of rioting in Portland Oregon to human fecal matter in the streets of San Francisco but yet they're going to talk about you know they have their forests are burning to the ground, but the one piece of legislation they 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 decided to work on was how do they how do they do a, a discovery on reparations in California or, or how to give less penalties to pedophiles? They're, they're, all, they're, all electric cars. Does Gavin Newsom still have a fucking job? How do you decriminalize pedophilia? How how you can work on that as a politician and think that that's fucking the thing that you should be working on as your state is burning to the fucking ground and how it's shut down by I don't know how many percentage your state unemployment is fucking 20 plus percent. You're in debt up to your fucking eyeballs and what you're going to talk about is decriminalizing sex? What? Like these people are fucking they they are corrupt in their in their in their entire logic stream is completely corrupted with a level of arrogance and ignorance that that literally is i i don't know if if we can even think of a time in history it's been this fucking bad yeah. when i went to the e5 board one of my favorite things i learned from that was everyone was telling me oh yeah we got to get a paper in the morning and i was like why they said, because the board's going to ask you the question, what's something currently happening locally and globally in the news today? And it really made me realize that there's a lot of people out there that are clueless yeah. as to what's going on around them in the world and in their own communities. But that doesn't stop them from having a, a, a standpoint opinion on it. Oh, well, that's because they got friends that tell them what to think. <laughs> 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 I just saw one of my friends that's uh, a very upper middle class, married very well, lives yeah. on ba Bainbridge Island, you know, made a post yesterday about how, you know, hey guys, uh, bought a bunch of supplies since we're about to hit the worst COVID wave that we've ever seen yet. I'm like, where the fuck do you get your information? You're a housewife on Bainbridge Island. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, did, I did like the one post I saw that said, 
what the hell is a murder horner and how much toilet paper do I need? (laughs) (laughs) I I think there's one side of our country that is so in love with talking about their fucking sex organs. (laughs) That's the only thing they want to talk about. Like we could be 72 hours away from an asteroidal impact that, that literally erases humanity from the planet. And there would be a group of people wanting us to figure out how we can identify with each other's proper pronouns and how they want to talk about like dicks on dicks or dicks and buttholes or how they actually define themselves and who they have sex with. That's the only thing they want to talk about. Like I'm telling you, man, I'm worn out with this entire conversation. I don't give a fuck who you fuck. Who cares? No one does. Very few people do. No one cares. Like, that's great. You, you want to wear a feather boa and get on a float and talk about blowing other dudes. Awesome. Just don't expect me to be like, fuck yeah, that's rad. Like, uh, I don't care. I don't care if you want to put a dick on another dick or a dick in a butthole. I don't care. It's not an interesting conversation to me. It's dumb. It's a dumb conversation. I was having that conversation when I was fucking 10, when I thought fucking, you know, this stuff was cool. At 42, I don't give a shit. They, a lot of those folks, I mean, I got, I got friends that I know that are gay and all communities. I'm like, yeah. that's awesome. I don't, that's, that's your prerogative. That's what you want to do, but you don't need to go flying a banner and look at me, look at me. I said, no, it's irrelevant. <laughs> do, your, do your thing. All right, cool. Don't care. But there used to be a time where people, they didn't talk about that stuff. It was, that's your own private life. True. Now it's look at me. I want my life to be public. Look at me. Well, and the whole thing where I got cruise around in the, in, in, like, Hey man, you, I'll cruise around in Salt Lake and I'll see, like, I see that they've changed the, the rainbow flag now to include a black, a brown. So you have a black and a brown color in the rainbow flag. now. And I was like, okay, so I don't, one, I don't understand what the rainbow flag actually represents anymore because there's a yellow in there. So I don't know if it's actually, are you talking about like African-Americans, Hispanics and Asians with yellow or, and then have all of these people also decided that they want to be included on the flag. So is there like a big meeting of everybody meeting of Congress Congress with everybody? And they're like, all right, guys, we're going to add a couple of fucking colors to this flag. Mexican. What do you say you join us? And were the Mexicans like, fuck yeah, I'm down. Hell yeah. Because, I mean, it just makes sense to me, right? The purple must be the aliens. Right? Purple aliens. aliens. But I, it, 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 something that really got me uh, last week, and I'll share this with you guys. Um, I saw a post that uh, in my hometown in Santa Fe, New Mexico, there's an obelisk that's been there for, for years. Since right. They, and it was dedicated to Union soldiers and to folks that fought the, and it used to say savages, but that wasn't politically correct. And they took it down in the seventies and uh, it's the center of the city. And some folks went and tore it down a bunch of everybody gets a trophy generation because they said when it used to say savages, it was derogatory. And even though they corrected it and I, I got it right here that it used to have a plaque on the outside of it that said this monument text reflect character of the times in which they are written and the temper of those who wrote them. This monument was dedicated in 1868 near the close of a period of intense strife, which pitted Northerner against Southerner. 
Indian against white, Indian against Indian. Thus, we see on this monument, as in other records, the use of terms such as savage and rebel. Attitudes change and prejudices hopefully dissolve. And when I saw them tear that down, that was kind of where people always knew where that was and an attraction. And, and I said, they just destroyed something that could have been an educational piece. Because when the young kid goes up and says, well, what is this here? And, and what did it used to say there? And they say, well, back then they looked at them as, they called them savages. We don't do that anymore. Instead, they tore it down and they said, we need an all-inclusive monument. And the truth is, is life is not fair. Not everybody's going to be included in everything. And just because you're not in the club, what are you going to do to get yourself in there? I said, it, it, it's, it's back, goes back to that thing of don't blame other people for your problems. Blame yourself and your decisions. Yeah, I don't, I, I see it as, you know, if we keep looking back and trying to, you know, one, we can't, we can't fix the past, right? Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not possible and until we, you know, do the Superman move where we go up in the sky and fly around so fast that it reverses the spin of the earth and it goes back in time because I guess that's how it works. Um, we can't go back. But to your point, what we can do is we can teach our children, you know, the next generation, just how to, to, to be better humans just in general. I don't think this, this conversation that we're having as, as a nation, even as a world in this context of, you know, woke, cancer, cancel culture... I don't. I don't think it's, this is a directly beneficial conversation for us to have because I think that it, it's a distraction from the real pressing concerns that we have as a nation. I think, you know, if we're talking about you know uh, African American transgender identification, you know, blah blah blah. My buddy, my buddy actually filled out a form and he said, why should I have to mark African-American when I've never even been to Africa? It doesn't make any sense to me to, to say, well, I mean, it's not that we don't care. That's not what we're saying. It just what we're saying is we have bigger fish to fry yeah. as a nation. You know, like just as we look at, you know, gender equality, as we look at, you know, race politics. What this is, is it's gaslighting to the nth degree. And I haven't, I haven't, I haven't watched the, what's it called? The, what's the new documentary on Netflix? The social something. Have you seen it yet? As a parent, you look at gaslighting all of our sides and pissing us off and making us so angry. You know, I'm not angry at anyone other than I think I'm angry at the conversation that we're having as a nation because it just seems it's not smart. Well, you're trillions of dollars in debt as a, as a parent, you know, are you going to worry about your, your kids' feelings? Or are you going to worry about keeping the lights on and the roof over their head? There's bigger fish out there yeah, than not, that, no one feeling sometimes. No one holds that accountable. And like I said, has Gavin Newsom been fired yet? Because they don't have lights all 24 hours a day right now. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't been fired. And more importantly, like he's already kind of looking at how he's going to run for president. Oh my God. And, 
And, you know, I look at these things super easily in the sense of like, these are triage, right? How do we triage really important events? How do we get the, the conversation be tuned in on, you know, how long have we been in Afghanistan? Yeah. And this is going to be our 20th year, 20th year. No one wants to talk about that. Multi-generation war now, 20 years. Private invading Afghanistan could have been his first fucking deployment. As a son then, that's going to Afghanistan. I'm retiring and out of there he now. Retires after going to Afghanistan for 20 years and has a son or a daughter that's going to that war. When do we decide? Okay, these are our strategic goals and objectives. This is how we actually win. This is how we fucking we don't. We we because we don't have those conversations as a nation. We have conversations over, you know whether or not we should use the proper pronoun when identifying people, we don't know whether or not they're male or female. So I was over there uh, shortly after the, the last election and I was talking to the command sergeant major that was in charge and, and uh, the general. And I said, what are the biggest uh, imp- things that are impacting right now? And they said, it's still a lot of these foreign fighters coming in from the surrounding countries that into Afghanistan that want to fight Americans. I said, well, next time you meet with the chief or SecDef, I got the perfect plan that'll that'll stop that. And he goes, really? What is it? And I said, tell him we're going to build a wall around Afghanistan and have Mexico pay for it. <laughs> and he said, I might use that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Though. Oh, man. Build a wall and have the Packies pay for it. Well, Evan, uh, we've got some news. You know, the the website you- is the website is up. The clothing line is launched. Okay. Dang. Tell them about it. it. Free Range American website is up. So, uh, you know what? We'll post the link in the video to Free Range American down below. Go check it out. Tell us what you guys think. Uh, If you guys like what we're putting out, obviously buy it. Uh, If you don't, don't buy it. That's fine too. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's always great seeing you guys. Master Sergeant Retired Leroy Petrie, Medal of Honor recipient. Our favorite. I'm still sorry we blew off your other hand in a movie that was untactful and uncouth. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, when I read that part. We did ask first. It it did hit me emotionally. I I felt like I was really losing my other hand. And, and I asked the question, how do I come back in the sequel if I'm missing both my hands? <laughs> well, you're just going to be full robot. <laughs> <laughs> full robot. You're a robot. I like that. Awesome. Thanks, I, Evan. Hey, see you thank you. See you, Leroy. Take care.